a FAM production for all things mattress. FAM.news. Welcome to Just Stories with BT, a show that brings you remarkable stories of success, comedy, failure, and redemption directly from the people who've shaped the landscape of our professional worlds. You'll laugh, you might cry, but most importantly, you'll be motivated to keep pushing to become a better version of you. Just Stories skips the cheesy 10-step processes and long acronyms and gives you just what you want. Stories that truly matter and will impact your life. Meet your host, Brett Thornton, a father, retailer, speaker, motivator, and lover of storytelling. Your transformational listening starts now. All right, welcome back to another episode of Just Stories with BT. Uh, this eight-part season is all around recycled dreams, you know, which is focusing on companies and people and CEOs who have used uh, giving back as part of their business strategy. So we've talked to some CEOs who, you know, are involved with all this different type of philanthropy. Then we've talked to some companies who are on the rece- receiving end of that, which is another case today with Dan. Um, so we've got Dan Schufelt, the CEO of Arizona Helping Hands, who changed my life in so many different ways. And I haven't been able to connect with him much in the last year. So I'm really excited to talk today. So welcome to the episode. Hey, thank you, Brad. It's a, it's a pleasure to be to talk with you this morning. Absolutely. So the way we're going to kick off this podcast episode, a little different from ones you may have been on before, because I know you're always on the news, you're always getting talked to because of the amazing things Arizona Helping Hands does. Um, and so instead of me asking you to tell the audience about yourself and your history, I'm going to do it for you. Okay. Perfect. That way, uh, you know, we, we can, we, we know you don't go on some 20 minute rant or tangent, which you wouldn't do anyways, but I'll just do it for you. Okay. And then after that, we can dive in. And I really want people to get to know the person behind the CEO and then have a chance to talk about why businesses need to start giving back. If they are not doing it already. Sound good. Sounds like a great plan. All right, everybody. So here we go. This is Dan. So he was born and raised in Rochester, New York. Uh, he was child number five out of eight, which I want to get back to and talk to you about that. Uh, he grew up shoveling snow, mowing lawns for his first job. He even worked at a pool shop, you know, so that, 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 that's maybe where his love for accounting came about. So he ended up going to college at St. John Fisher University, where he got his BS in accounting. Um, after that, he ended up moving out to Arizona in 1979 to work at a small tax firm. And over the next few years, he'd be a CPA for three different firms until he landed an awesome job being a real estate trust advisor or running a real estate trust. Um, And during this time, he met Cheryl, his amazing wife. They had two kids and now three grandchildren, which is amazing. Congratulations. Uh, In 2000 was a big year for him because that's when he met Kathy Donaldson, who's the who started Arizona Helping Hands, and he became a member of the board and for 15 years served on the board up until 2014 when he stepped in as the temporary CEO just to help out. But obviously, it was never temporary, uh, and it became his life's mission and life's passion. So for the last seven years, he's now been the CEO of Arizona Helping Hands, which helps so many kids in foster care in the Arizona area. It's unbelievable. Um, And now here we are in 2021, and you're on the Just Stories podcast. What did I miss? (laughs) I've reached the pinnacle, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or you're or you're going down. I don't know which way. <laughs> right. So so before we get into this, so I've got to know, I mean, what was that like being child number five out of eight? 
So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I grew up, I, I was blessed. I, I grew up in a really loving family with two, uh, two parents who were very involved. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, we're our, our mentors, our examples. Uh, and, you know, my parents, it was, it was such a blessing to be part of this uh, home environment. You know, eight kids, eight kids, there's a, a whole lot of noise going on with eight kids in the household. Those eight kids were spread out over 20 years. So there's a huge wow. age range. Um, you know, from my from my oldest sister to my baby brother, uh, and uh, you know, being number five out of eight, I was yeah. I always used to to joke with my mom, who's both my parents are now deceased, but I always used to joke with my mom that she's the source of all my deep psychological problems because I was the forgotten child, number five. Yeah. As, as number five, I was uh, you know born right before the, the second girl, so she you know the the attention was always on my my younger sister, the the you know the little girl in the family and um but you know having having that environment uh you know just in in a family atmosphere my dad was a hard-working guy who um you know was a blue-collar worker and just trying to keep things together for his family and uh, you know we didn't have uh, you know uh, all the all the extras that kids so often have these days uh we just we just got by and, you know, things like, you know, playing card games and just hanging out as a family and having that, that unit, uh, what, what, as I say, it was really a blessing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I have, a, I have a good friend, his name is Scott Higgins, and he, I used to work with him at Sleep Train years ago, and he was the last of nine kids. Oh, wow. Family. And it's funny because the reason I found that out was that we were at a restaurant one day, and he's going to hate me for telling the story. We were at a, like a nice restaurant with a bunch of people. And the appetizers came out and he just started grabbing stuff like as if he was like starving to death or something. I remember looking at him like, dude, you know, there's plenty of food go, to go around here. Like, it's not going to run out. And I said something to him. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. Bad habit. He's like, I was the last of nine kids. So he's like, if you didn't get in there and grab like you, you may not eat, you know. And so just exactly. here he was all these years later, successful guy. And he's still like, you know, couldn't shake it, which is really funny. Got to exert your influence, right? <laughs> yes. yes. So, um, so, so to give a little backstory, imagine you're, you know, you're on an elevator, you know, it's a big elevator. Let's say you're in Dubai in one of these crazy buildings, right? And you get to the top floor and someone walks in, you meet them. Hey, I'm the CEO of Arizona Helping Hands. Someone asks you, Hey, what, what, what is it? How do you sum up Arizona Helping Hands? And you got about 60 seconds, right? Coming down to the elevator. So what, how would you sum it up for the audience who doesn't know about your organization? Yeah, Arizona Helping Hands is the largest provider of basic needs to children in Arizona's foster care system. So everything from beds and cribs and clothing and diapers to personal care packages to celebrating birthdays for children in foster care whose birthdays oftentimes just due to circumstances come and go unknown um, and uncelebrated. We're, we're trying to raise those kids up. We're trying to give them hope. And most importantly, we're trying to give them those basic needs that will fill their uh, their their lives with uh, you know some 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 substance, some safety, some comfort. Uh, just having your own bed to sleep on, right? How important is that, uh, especially to children who have been victims of abuse and neglect? So Arizona Helping Hands does all those things and so much more to help children in foster care. Yeah, absolutely. I know that you know we'll go into our history a little bit later, but. I know I was always just, um, you know, so inspired when we would go into your your office and the facility because every time we we're there, there's a different company there, different people that were back in that room making these personal happy birthday cards or graduation cards. Like everything you do was so personal to these kids. 
It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to give them a backpack. It's no, I'm going to get them a bag and then I'm going to find out what they do. And then I'm going to fill it with cool stuff and make them feel you know, special and that, that someone out there cares for them and, and, and sees their worth and their value. So that's always been the part of it that, that I've always felt this kind of next level for what you guys do. Yeah, you know, especially in these days of COVID, uh, you know, we, we've had some separation from our clients, right? There was, there was a time where we were, uh, you know, putting, putting in items out on the back parking lot and say, you know, this is your stuff, come pick it up. You know, we were trying to keep our team safe, our small team safe, and still help families however we could. As we come back, right, as, as society starts to recover from this horrible pandemic, hopefully, uh, in, a, in a much greater way as we move forward, we're now trying to figure out how we can add value to every client interaction. So if you pulled up to our warehouse today in the back now, there's this sign up that says, um, you know, we, we know that you have requested clothing and diapers and a bed and a crib, but do you need school supplies for your children who are now going back to in-person learning? Do you need diaper, extra diapers for the baby that you just received? You know, we received a, a, a wonderful donation of Patagonia jackets and outerwear. So, you know, can these things help your family and how can we make a bigger difference in the lives of these kids? That's what we're trying to do every day is to make the, the biggest impact that we can on a child's life. And, you know, when you meet these kids, when you talk to these parents and hear the stories, um, you know, you just got to got to sit back and say, you know, thank you. Thank you, God, that, you know, my situation is different than that, that, uh, you know, my kids are safe and loved. Uh, but you always have to think outside of that and, you know, think about those other kids who don't have those same blessings. No, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because you said when you sit back and hear their stories, because, you know, they come in and you do hear a lot of stories, you know, and, and that's obviously the premise of this podcast is, you know, getting to know you, getting to know the organization, getting to get some backstory. And, and I love to do that through story. It's the best way that I learn and kind of absorb information. And, and this podcast is going to get uh, deep and emotional. I know it based on the content. So before we do that, uh, I want to I'm going to ease into a story here that's, that's lighter, right? So think back, right? It could be any time in your career, CPA, you know, or once you took over and maybe the last seven years at Arizona Hems, but Arizona Helping Hands, but think about a story that you love to tell that was just really funny or entertaining, something that goes around the office or whatever. Well, you know, it, it's interesting in this social media environment, right? You're always trying to think about different ways that you can engage with an audience. So, um, you know, something that I, I think is kind of humorous when when my wife and I, uh, my younger daughter played in the marching band in high school. And, uh, you know, my wife and I manned the concession stand at the football games and used to interact with, uh, you know, the kids selling them the, the, the popcorn and the and the sodas and whatnot out at the, out at the football game. Well, um, one of my daughter's friends, uh, I, I remember the first time and then it became kind of this regular habit. She went running up to the cat, the, the concession stand and she said, Hey, look, it's Anderson Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> so it became this, 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 uh, you know, kind of joke, um, yeah. you know, that, that, uh, the, you know, some of the kids in my daughter's class would call me Anderson Cooper. I mean, I don't know if you oh. see the resemblance or not, but you know, I went gray at 28. So, you know, no I've way. been, uh, I've had this, this, you know, character of distinction, I'm going to call it for, <laughs> for, for, for many years. And, you know, to have her, have her, uh, you know, 
as a as a 16 year old you know this is going back 10 years say you yeah. know that's who you look like so a little while back we decided we'd we'd play off of that a little bit and i picked up a pair of uh you know black rim glasses yeah. and uh we did a little video that's that's on our youtube page of uh danderson cooper ah. um and the ridiculous and yeah. we with this the specific topic that that one video we did was talking about people during our holiday toy drive who had the wisdom to donate um you know uh literally machine gun type toys to help children in foster care and i was talking about how ridiculous it is that you know these kids who are facing all these other challenges um you know those types of gifts were the things that were being donated to a children's charity yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 the Nerf gun that shirts, shoots 32 bullets at a time. I, I understand it's the Nerf gun, but still, you know, what's the mentality there and consider the other, uh, challenges and circumstances these kids face. It was truly ridiculous. So, uh, anyway, playing off of that, uh, Anderson Cooper theme has been kind of, kind of interesting. No, I love it. I love that story. Danderson Cooper, my new there favorite broadcast. <laughs> um, I have actually, I have one of you too, um, which was, and I'm sure you'll remember this, but so years ago we were doing a giving event, uh, in your, in your warehouse, you know, we were donating, I don't know, a couple hundred matches back when I was at living spaces with revive. And, um, and I had seen a video of some company that had set this world record for like falling on mattresses. You remember? Oh, absolutely. So I, I knew where YouTube you video going. and I just, I had it in my head, like at some point I'm doing this, you know? And I remember we had brought in all these mattresses and they were all in the bag and they're all twin size and so we lined them up with everyone who had volunteered to help that day it was, i don't know how many people there's a lot of people and we made ourselves like a long domino line and every time you'd fall you'd knock into the next person and we all just collapsed down i have that video somewhere it's really funny too because you like a lot you like yell out really loud you're like oh God, you fall down oh it was epic so good Such that's a, good a great memory that's a great memory oh man so all right. So as a CEO of a big company, a nonprofit, whatever it is, um, you know, we don't win every time, right? <laughs> and we struggle and we fail and we get back up, you know, and, and I'd love to hear from you, you know, like what's a story of a time in your career where you failed, you know, um, and, and then, you know, how did you get out of it or how did you get through it? Well, I'm going to take you to a story, which I think ties into this whole podcast concept, right? So uh, if you asked me, even eight years ago, what my biggest fear was, I would have told you it was public speaking. I would have told you that, uh, or yeah, public speaking was, was a much bigger fear for me than even dying. Right. I remember as a as a kid in high school, uh, you know, breaking out in a cold sweat if I had to uh, you know, give a presentation from my class. Uh, even as a as a professional CPA, you know, getting up in front of people and talking was something that uh, put the, put the fear of God in me. I mean, I, I was literally um, a basket case over circumstances where I had to talk in front of other people. And, um, you know, so so taking that personality and converting it into a, a, a CEO who's supposed to be the spokesperson for, you know, a charity and supposed to be able to do things like this podcast and, uh, you know, television interviews and, and, and videos and whatnot um, is an entire life change. 
Um, and, you know, I, I, I've thought back a lot of times about um, how, how different my life is today than what it used to be. And I, uh, you know, I truly believe that it's because, uh, you know, match was lit. There was a passion that was um, kind of uncovered and, uh, you know, meeting these families, seeing these children, understanding the impact that we have in their lives uh, has, has changed. You know, it's been a 180 degree change from this guy who, you know, was fearful to talk to his teammates in, a, in, in even a business setting to, you know, somebody now who you have to rip the microphone out of my hand if you're giving it to me because I got stories to tell and I got things to say. I've got to, you know, I, I found something that has really, really lit me up and, uh, you know, I, I've got a story to tell. Yeah, no, I love it. So do you think that 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 passion, you know, for helping these kids, you know, is that what drove you past your fear of the public speaking? Did you just kind of say like, you know what, I'm, I know I'm scared, I'm nervous or whatever, but like the alternative is what, that I don't do it? I don't help the kids or, or how did that come about? Yeah. So, you know, it, it was really just, um, I think understanding, as I said, that I, that I have a story to tell that there is, there is an importance to sharing the work that we do and talking about the people and the kids that we're helping every day. And it's, um, it, it's, it, it, was not a, it was not a conscious decision, right? It was just, uh, you know, people would start asking me, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Um, how are you doing it? What is this all about? And, you know, I had those answers. I, I knew what I wanted to say. I knew, uh, you know, the, again, those stories to share and knew the importance of it, um, meeting these families and kids who have been put in, you know, horrible circumstances that really need our helping hands. Yeah, what were, can you think of one or two stories from early on, you know, when you, you know, when you were in this temporary CEO phase and you're like, obviously, yeah, I'm just helping out for a little while, you know, like, what were some of the stories of the people who came in that that created you to, you know, have that passion where you're like, hey, I can't do anything else? Yeah. So, Brett, um, you know, I, I know I've shared it with you in the past, but, you know, I'm not a deeply religious person. But, uh, you know, I know that there are forces bigger than us. And, you know, in my world, uh, the way I, I refer to it is that I don't believe that there are coincidences. I think that, you know, when, when you're doing the right thing for the right reason, uh, pieces fall into place and good happens out of that. So, um, you know, as, as I said, you know, going way back in time to uh, 2013, 2014, um, we were in this place where uh, we, we, we shifted our mission to help children in foster care. I learned from, uh, you know, from friends of mine that we had reached out to uh, that Arizona was in crisis in its foster care system, that supports for these kids were not available. And uh, a friend of mine that I'd worked in other charitable activities with uh, pointed out to me, she said, there's, there's no place in the state of Arizona where a grandparent like myself, who, uh, you know, just got the call saying, hey, grandpa, your, your daughter is in custody. You know, she was cooking meth in the oven and now she's in custody. Um, your children are, are now wards of the state. They've been, uh, you know, moved to the Department of Child Safety in Arizona and uh, they're here in our office. What do you want us to do, Grandpa? You know, do you want us to find a foster home or two or three foster homes that we could split these kids up into? Or do you have another alternative? So 
grandpa is going to say, I believe most grandparents I have met would say, bring them to me, bring them to me. I'm going to give them hope and safety. I'm going to make sure they're loved and supported. Um, but what happens if grandpa's, you know, living on social security and doesn't have the means to even go buy a bed for that child to sleep on something as simple as that to even buy clothing and diapers and all the other things that go into raising a child. So um, we shifted our mission in 2013 to help those kids, understanding that there was that void, that nobody was there to do it. And again, going back in time, since I felt a a responsibility, since I was the the person who kind kind of shifted us towards that mission and that objective, and I started volunteering a little bit more time here, and I started meeting some of those folks that we were helping. And I can point to a day, a very specific day, in the summer of 2014, where there were two uh, connections that happened right after each other that were not a coincidence. And, um, you know, that was really, it was literally that night I went home and I said to my wife, you know, hey, Cheryl, I am, I'm a CPA. I have a little practice. I run a real estate trust, uh, but you know something's really drawing me here. And um, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna offer my my time to the board as until we can find somebody who can really lead this thing forward because there's a need. Mm-hmm. So on that specific day, I met a lady. Uh, I refer to her as Gigi uh, because she was a great grandmother. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gigi, um, when I met her was 74 years old. She was, uh, you know, uh, had some physical issues. She was a little bit frail. Um, She came to us because she was now the 24-7 parent to her four great-granddaughters. Think about it, right? Four great-granddaughters. I mean, so seven, nine, 12, and 14 years old. Think about adding four kids to your life as a 24-7 caregiver in a moment. So, uh, you know, back at that point in time, before we had started to, to really connect with community and some businesses who have been so generous to us, um, we were providing recycled mattresses to the, the foster families that we worked with. So uh, a charity here in town would take away the old mattress when they delivered a new one and, uh, you know, quote unquote, sanitize it and wrap it. Uh, this was pre-bed bug days and everything yeah. else. And, you know, those were the units that we were giving out to Gigi and to others. And Gigi, after we were, or while we were loading up that truck with those four mattresses and minimal supplies back then, um, she grabbed me in a bear hug. And she said, Dan, you just don't realize how important this, this service is to me and my family. She said, these girls have been, you know, fighting over the sofa and sleeping on the floor. Uh, you know, I've, I haven't had a, a night to myself. Um, and to have their own place to sleep. That alone gives these girls a little bit of dignity. You know, gives me a little little bit of sanity perhaps, but uh, you know, it, it makes my family a little more whole. Gigi said to me, she said, you know, I grew up in, in the Midwest and at a, as a young girl, uh, you know, my mom died. My dad had been gone, but you know, here we were, me and my siblings, we were orphans. She said, after that happened, um, my siblings and I, there were five of us, um, were split up. We were scattered like the wind. One went to an out-of-town uncle. Another one went to a church friend. 
Uh, you know, she said, I have, of those five siblings, there's three of them I don't know, I've never connected with. She said, I'm not gonna let that happen to these girls. She said, my, my health is gone. Uh, you know, physically, I can't keep up with these kids. Emotionally, I'm a wreck. Think of dealing with hormones uh, of, of, you know, four young uh, tweens and, and others who are, you know, coming in, coming of age. Um, you know, financially, you know, at one point in time, I had a 401k. You know, my whole life has been turned upside down. But she said, I can point to one thing. She said, these girls are safe and loved. And they're with me. And we are a family. And you guys are helping us, uh, you know, keep that family together. And um, as I say, that that one moment, yeah, there was actually a second incident, incidence that same day, but, you know, to, to interact with those folks and to hear the impact that something as simple as a bed can have on the life of a child um, was, was a game changer for me. Yeah. Man, I knew you were going to get me. <laughs> I was ready, though. Uh, and I love it because. You know, you, you bring up something that is, I think, so crucial in, 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 your, in your story, which is, you know, we take so many different things for granted uh, in life. You know, so many of us who are blessed to have, you know, homes and roofs over our head and rooms and all these things. But we, we, I think we really take for granted what a mattress really means somewhere. Um, because if you've always had one, then, you know, you don't, you don't think of it in that term. You just think of it as, Hey, it's my bed and it's where I sleep, you know, but if you've gone in time in your life without one, you think about it a whole different way, because not only is sleep so vital to us from a health perspective, but sleep is, is, you know, a mattress and a bed is really a sanctuary. You know, it's a place where you, it's your, it's, it's your refuge, it's your space, it's your thing. Um, and so you know, when you tell those stories, you know, I just, it breaks my heart, you know, I mean, obviously having two kids, you know, thinking about, you know, what would happen to these kids, you know, my dad's 74. So that story resonates with me, you know, because that's his age now. And I think of how much my parents helped me, you know, already. Um, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, the key element here is that um, there is just so much need. And so, you know, as you think about Arizona Helping Hands and what you guys have kind of done, you know, was there a moment or a story that you can think of where you kind of looked around and were like, wow, like this is growing, you know, like we're having, you know, and I know it's hard to say success because it's like, you know, success means helping someone in a horrible position, you know? So I get it from that perspective, but just from an, an, an uh, the side of it growing and becoming something more than you may have thought. I mean, that happens every day, Brett. You know, when we look at the number of children whose lives have been impacted by the work that we've done, it's, it's staggering. We have now provided over 17,000. <laughs> Think about that number. It's scary. 17,000 children in our state's foster care system with a bed or a crib since we started doing this in the summer of 2013. Um, you know, every day uh, we're, we're providing birthday gifts to children in the foster care system. Every day, on average, uh, even during the pandemic last year, we provided over uh, every single day last year, we provided eight children with a birthday package. And these are kids who have, um, you know, many of these children have never celebrated their own birthday. You know, they might be living in a group home environment. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the group home will have their little August birthday party on August 2nd. 
Well, what happens on the 23rd when, you know, your birthday rolls around? Nothing, nothing. So, um, you know, the, the, uh, the numbers are, are phenomenal. You know, I, I, uh, I, I'm an amateur writer. Um, I, I write a blog and I, I try to share some stories and some, some um, you know, impact pieces on, on the work that we do. And, um, you know, one of the stories that I wrote a while back was the Jerry Lewis, I, I refer to it as the Jerry Lewis phenomenon. Jerry Lewis, when he uh, used to do his muscular dystrophy telethons every Labor Day weekend would finish his telethon by saying, I don't wanna be here next year. I don't wanna have to do this telethon. I don't want there to be children who suffer from muscular dystrophy. I say the same thing, right? I'd, I'd love to think that our foster care system um, and children in foster care uh, at, at one point in time could be, uh, you know, could be a non-issue, could be something that nobody cares, you know, nobody needs to worry about. But, you know, look at our society, look at the, the challenges that we face, look at the, uh, you know, the substance abuse issues and everything else that goes into play. Unfortunately, I don't think that that's in the cards for, for our society. I think that, you know, there will always be children in foster care. There will always be children that uh, need our, our helping hands. And, you know, our, our, our objective, our goal is to uh, do everything we can for those kids who need us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I love that you brought up, uh, you know, earlier about you don't believe in coincidence, right? That these things happen. And I think that that holds true with how we met, you know, which was, I, uh, you know, I'd had this idea about doing a, a buy one, give one program. Actually, it was actually after listening to a podcast. So I was listening to Guy Raz's podcast uh, called How I Built This, which is on NPR. Awesome podcast where he talks to, you know, CEOs and people that have been really successful and he kind of gets their whole backstory. And he had, was talking to the guy who started Tom's Shoes. And so just just going in the whole backstory of how he started it and how it came about and all these kind of things. And I remember thinking to myself like, yeah, this would be a cool to do for an event for, for like a sales event for beds. Instead of putting them on sale, we do a giving event. And, um, and it was all just kind of in theory. And you know, I remember talking to, you know, my boss at the time and the CEO at Living Spaces about this idea and, um, you know, and, and Grover at Living Spaces, a very giving guy, you know, he's very private about it, but he's very, very, does a ton of philanthropy and, and was like, yeah, let's, let's try it. Let's do it. I was like, oh, okay. So I remember I reached out to um, my friend, Gina Davis, who worked for Ticket to Dream up in Sacramento. And I said, hey, do you happen to know anyone in Arizona? And she's just like, yeah, there's this great organization down there, Arizona Helping Hands you know, Hey, here's a number of this guy, Dan. He kind of, and that was, it. it was like, it was just maybe three minutes, you know, got this number. I'm like, okay. And I remember calling you just out of the blue, then no idea who I was. And I was like, yeah, I was thinking about doing this thing. And, and would it help if we, you know, donated some mattresses? And I remember you, yeah, you literally freaked out. You know, you have no idea. I did. You know, yeah. It would be all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself like, well, it's just, you know, maybe a couple hundred mattresses. You know, I just didn't think about it as that it was going to be this big deal. Um, because what I didn't know at the time was that, you know, mattresses made up such a huge portion of the money that your nonprofit had to spend, you know, because, you know, you're getting all these different items and, you know, some of them don't cost as much or some things get donated, but the mattresses, because at some point, you know, to your, to your point in your story earlier, you switched over to saying, Hey, we, we need to provide people new mattresses. You know, we don't want to be giving people recycled stuff or bed bugs infested stuff. Like, so you had to buy them, but you're buying them wholesale. And they're still costing you whatever 150 bucks a pop 
And so just to get, you know, and you were doing 2000, 2,500 a year. I mean, that's taking an enormous amount of money. So I didn't know all that at the time, right. you know, it was just an idea. Um, but like you said, it just all happened to work out. And, and I think that, you know, the lesson that I learned, and then I want to ask you about this specifically is, you know, so we ran an event and typically in sales, you know, you run these events and you run a sales event to drive traffic to your store. Um, but instead of running a sales event, discounting the product, right? So you're losing profitability because you got to discount the product. Um, you know, we ran the buy one, give one event. Hey, come in, buy X, these different products. And then we're going to donate to Arizona Helping Hands. You know, we got your guys' logo. We had a little video, put it in the commercial. And lo and behold, in Arizona, right, we drove all this great traffic. Um, you know, because so many people are touched by foster care, whether it's someone in their family, someone they know themselves, like, or they just, they, they know it's an issue and they care about it. Um, or they don't care at all. Not that they don't care, but they just, that's not a big thing in their life, but they still wanted to come in and support because at the end of the day, they were going to come buy a bed anyways. So now it just became this other thing where, Hey, I'm going to buy this other, I'm going to buy this mattress anyways. But now because of that, Hey, I feel great about my purchase because i know it's going to go to a foster kid you know and what we discovered real quick was that we were driving the same amount of traffic as we would when we had these big discounts or these big sales and and this is you know whatever four years ago um and i think personally from what i'm seeing is i think this is only going to continue to grow you know because millennials are taking over the major buying force you know for a lot of markets they're 30 35 they're getting careers they have jobs they want to get nice things and it's something that's very important for our younger generation who's coming into these roles is that they're working with companies who do give back and that do help, whether it's the planet or foster care or what, whatever the situation is, they want to know, is there philanthropy involved? And so, you know, as you've been doing this now for, as the CEO of the last seven years, how have you seen that evolve? Yeah, great question. So I'm going to take you back again to a little bit of history lesson first. Um, you know, my my becoming involved in charitable causes was uh, was was a push from a managing partner at the CPA firm I worked for many years ago, who walked into management management meeting one week and said, "You know, we're not going to talk about the normal things today, and we're not going to talk about billings and taxes and all that kind of, kind of stuff. We're going to talk about the the fact that our community profit or our our business, our livelihood comes from our community." So each of us sitting in this room has responsibility to, to share, to give back, to do something. He said, you know, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's animals, if it's senior citizens, if it's kids in Africa, if it's children in foster care, go find something and get involved. And, you know, that was, that was my push into charitable activities. You know, I was just doing my job, going to work, doing my thing. And, you know, then somebody said, hey, you know, wake up and think about the fact that uh, you know, you wouldn't be getting a paycheck if your community wasn't giving you business. And uh, therefore, you have an obligation to pay it back, to pay it forward, to, you know, to do something to make our community stronger. Each of us has that obligation. So as I, in this role, as I've had the opportunity to connect with Brett and, and you know, uh, others who have that heart and who understand how important social responsibility is at a business level, it's been, it's been so rewarding, so gratifying to, uh, you know, partner up with companies who want to donate product, who want to volunteer time, who want to do collection drives, you know, all these opportunities to, um, you know, truly demonstrate that, uh, you know, you are a part of something bigger 
that there is an obligation to give back and to do more and it, that a job is much more than a paycheck. And, uh, you know, I think all of us have to take that to heart and, and try and figure out how, how each of us can play a bigger role in our community. And again, share those blessings that, uh, that, that we, we have, that we've worked for and that we've, um, you know, accumulated. Um, but, you know, don't think about necessarily, uh, you know, the next toy that you need to buy for your child. How about a package of diapers for a child in foster care? Um, there's so many ways that everybody can do something to make a difference. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, and I, because I've seen it firsthand, you know, for everyone out there who has a team, you've got a company, you've got a team, I don't care what role you're in. There's something um, unmistakable that happens when you get your team involved in the giving. So, you know, you guys have set up this really cool little corporate office where, where, you know, companies come in and bring in their teams, leadership teams, you know, corporate teams, whatever, to do these kind of different events. So tell me a little bit about that. What do they do when they come in generally? Yeah. Well, so, you know, first of all, obviously COVID changed all that. Yeah. Um, and, and really put some significant burdens on our organization. We are very, very much a volunteer driven organization. We utilized over, over 14,000 hours of volunteer time in 2019. In 2020, that number was slashed. You know, it was less than half that number, uh, and we still had the same obligations to fill in our in our clients' lives. So, um, you know, COVID has been a really tough burden to overcome as an organization. But um, you know, we now, hopefully, with you know the vaccine coming online, all other uh, other uh, progress being made, we're hoping that you know we'll return to a point in time where we can engage more with with corporations. As of right now, we are allowing small corporate groups to come in and to uh, you know engage with us to do do service products projects and. Um, uh, just doing everything we can to to teach people, uh, to inform them, to educate them about the needs and simple ways that they can help out. So a typical uh, volunteer engagement for us is to have you know a number of people from an organization come in. We'll give them you know a little orientation about who we are, why we're here. Um, you know, the difference that we make in everyday children's lives. And um, then we'll put them to work. And yeah. that work can consist of, uh, you know, going through a, a bin of donated clothing and removing price tags that have, because the product has been sent to us from, you know, a major retailer. And, you know, we don't want to, we don't want anybody to take those things back to the store. So we, we remove the price tags and we have to fold and sort and organize and put them out on the shelves. And, you know, the bottom line there is that those articles of clothing might be the, the second wardrobe that that child has, having come into foster care with nothing but the clothing on their backs. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that simple effort, um, having that energy from a group of volunteers, it can make it all happen. And then our birthday program, coming back to that, you know, our, our birthday program is our, our most intensive volunteer engagement. So we receive a a uh, sheet of paper that says that little Joey is turning three and Joey likes trains. Our volunteers will go shop among our, our donated toys and try and find the perfect gift for three-year-old Joey. And of course, when they run across the Thomas the Train set, they know, you know, another no coincidence is happening, right? <laughs> Joey said he wanted, he likes trains. There's the Thomas the Train set. They're going to take that, that gift and gift wrap it and put it in a decorated bag to let Joey know that his birthday is special. 
And every volunteer that we have will tell you that, you know, their heart is touched by um, knowing that they've played a role in letting, letting Joey know that he's loved and that his day is special and that, you know, his circumstances might be a little bit different, um, but still he's a three-year-old boy and he should celebrate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, I want to wrap up talking about um, hope. And, you know, there's so many people, well, hopefully a lot of people listening. And, uh, and even if there's not, you know, even if it just touches one person, you know, the message that I want to convey to people, is, and you just, because you just mentioned something about it, you know, but, um, you know, whether it's foster kids, whether it's, you know, giving back to veterans in need, like it doesn't matter what, what, what it is in my mind. There's something about um, your inner currency that is so impacted when you're doing something for others. You know, it's a, it's something you can't replicate. You can't manufacture it because it's real. And when you when you truly are doing something for the right reason, you know, it has a way of making itself come back around. You know, and as I've been interviewing these people around this recycled dreams concept and this theory and these different CEOs and these different businesses, you know, this thing keeps coming back over and over and over again, which is people who suffer from depression and anxiety and all these different ailments. The, the thing that took them through was they started giving back. They started putting others like instead of themselves and, and just to kind of fill this void. And what did they find? Like, oh my God, this became my saving grace. This became this new thing I had to do because I realized that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, whether, you know, things don't make you feel that way possessions don't make you feel that way. And when it comes to your, your teams and your, you know, your employees and your companies, you know, we all have this, this corporate DNA, you know, and, and the companies take on a lives of themselves. And I can tell you firsthand, you know, that when part of your corporate and company DNA is to give back, you know, it really changes the outlook, I think, on how people view their job. And then in turn, that's going to always impact how they treat the consumers or their customers, right? Um, and so tell us, like, it, what's a story from, from Arizona Helping Hands of one of these kids, maybe from a long time ago or something? What's a story of hope you could tell us or a story of someone who overcame, you know, based on some of this stuff? You, you have anything you can think of? Oh, I can tell you stories all day long, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Um... It, you know, it, it, it comes down, as you said, you know, one of our lines is that we bring hope to children in foster care. You know, we bring hope in so many different ways, um, you know, providing a, a couple mattresses to a family a few weeks ago. He wrote us, the, the, the foster parent wrote us a note saying um, the, those two little boys who received a brand new mattress asked when we got them set up if they could go to bed early that night. They wanted to lay down their head on their very own bed. You know, something, again, that we all take for granted. Um, we gave out a couple a couple bicycles to a family uh, recently. And again, the, 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 the comment that came back to us was uh, every day when I pick the kids up from school, the first thing they ask me is, can they go ride their bike? You know, and I think I think of, um, you know, the 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 stereotypical E.T., right, Uh, hopping on a bicycle and and, uh, the the sense of freedom and joy that a bicycle gives you that these kids haven't experienced. Um, You know, talk about giving a child hope, giving a child safety. Um, You know, that that's that's what we're doing and, and why we're here. 
Um, and, and, you know, again, bring it back to where you were talking about for a business to, to really get that message driven home that uh, it's the simple things that can, uh, you know, can change the world. Our, our founder, Kathy Donaldson, uh, formed this organization as a tribute to her sister, Patty, who is dying of cancer at age 33. And Patty's dying request was that Kathy go do one good deed a day. And, um, you know, if I, 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 it's, it's on the wall in our lobby out here. Just do one good deed a day. Go, go do something for somebody else. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, splashy, anything that, um, you know, it, it, it can be something so simple. It can be something, as I said earlier, just, you know, pick up an extra package of diapers when you're at the store and donate it to a children's charity. Um, just, you know, uh, go on, go on a, a social media, Facebook page like Arizona Helping Hands and share it with somebody and say, hey, check this out. This organization's doing something really cool. Um, you know, unless we're spreading the word and telling people about, you know, the good things that are happening, um, a lot of people ignore it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not within their line of vision. So, you know, just, just and, you know, my, my word of encouragement is just to ask everybody to do something, to, to think how, uh, you know, simple steps uh, can, can keep us going forward. No, I love that. And last, last thing for you is just, um, you know, I think, I think inherently people are good, you know, and I think that inherently people, if given an opportunity, you know, like want to do the right thing, they want to help people. I just think that, a lot of times, um, as a society, we, we, we tend to overthink things and overanalyze things and we make them bigger than they are, you know, and it's going to be this whole ordeal and I, I got too much going on or whatever it is, you know, so I, help, help me help people listening to take away that anxiety. Like how easy is it to work with an organization like you? What, what, what could a company do that wouldn't take a lot of time, but that would help? Yeah. So, you know, interacting with companies, we, we do it on every level from, um, you know, having an opportunity to, you know, do a podcast with a company to share, you know, what the, what the, the state of the world is in foster care in Arizona and what, you know, one, one organization is trying to do to make a difference. Um, you know, the, the, the public knowledge of these issues is really, um, you know, something we need to work at constantly trying to educate people about what's going on. You know, from that, uh, you know, we, we uh, engage with companies who will do collection drives for us, who will, uh, you know, be it, uh, you know, as I say, we do everything for children. So be it books, be it uh, personal care items, be it bedding products, be it educational support and back to school support, um, all those elements, um, you know, it's really easy to set up a, a Amazon wish list and say, you know, go buy a few things for kids in foster care. We'll ship them right to Arizona Helping Hands. You know, from there, we, we do the, the corporate engagement with um, having companies come in and volunteer their time and, and energies to assist in our various programs. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Just Stories with BT. For more podcasts and audio stories, head over to fam.news. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.